Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. On today's show, we have the Honorable Bruno Lozano, Mayor of Del Rio, Texas. Once an outcast in a small border town, this unapologetic gay man grew up and became a national headline when his underdog campaign won the mayor's race and his town's hearts. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Save the date. The League of United Latin American Citizens will hold their national convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, July 10th through 13th, featuring a job expo with several Fortune 500 employers. Expect presidential candidates to make the rounds, plus Latinx leaders and yours truly to make an appearance as we celebrate the 90th anniversary of our nation's oldest and largest Latinx civil rights organization. For more information, visit lulac.org. That's L-U-L-A-C dot O-R-G. See you in Milwaukee. The southwest Texas town of Del Rio, known for its border bridge linking to Mexico, a huge Air Force base down the road, and quail hunting became an overnight sensation in the media when it held its municipal elections in May 2018. On the ballot was a young man named Bruno Lozano, the town's colorful character who moved back recently to his very Latino, very Catholic, and very conservative city. While his image in high heels and tutus from past gay prides on social media may have rattled some residents, something clicked with the town's voters last year. Let's find out what made the fabulous Mayor Lozano a hit with his neighbors. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about Del Rio before we get into you, so people know where you're from. Sure. So Del Rio is currently in the limelight because of its location along the border. On the border. It is Just a like border me. town. Yeah. Where I come <laughs> from. I'm from Brownsville, so I'm very familiar with Del Rio. Yes. Right on the border, your sister cities with what? So Mexico? our our Mexican counterpart is Ciudad de Cunha, mm-hmm. and we're about three miles inland from Ciudad de Cunha, two and a half mile, two and a half hours west of San Antonio. About a six-hour drive south of the Dallas-Fort Worth area to kind of put some location. We're still seven hours away from Eagle Pass and seven <laughs> hours away from Brownsville. We're yeah. right smack in the middle of, of the Texas border. Mm-hmm. Wow. So growing up there, it was a very, what, would you say Catholic, Hispanic, but very sure. conservative? Yeah. So Del Rio, is, it's a smaller city. It's 36,000 people, and the majority of the population is Catholic. I went to Our Lady Guadalupe Church. Of course. I, I, I was confirmed, baptized, and I got my Holy Communion, a good Catholic boy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was very, very conservative as far as that goes. We are strong believers in the Catholic Church, the Catholic faith, and we celebrated all of the holidays. We did all the you know, the traditions as far as that goes, both grandmothers on both sides were very, very religious and they practiced the rosary regularly. So, um, but yeah, that's what it was like. (laughs) And you still managed to come out gay. Sure did. Yeah. (laughs) Now, everybody was shocked in 2018, in, in May of 2018, when you out of nowhere beat the incumbent with like... Like 62%. 62. I was going to say 62. 62-something. 62%. And it made headline news. It brought the spotlight to you. It did. And you did this in May. But 
later on, like the wave of in 2018 during November, so many gay candidates, mm-hmm. LGBT candidates, transgender right. candidates, they were elected. What was your reasoning for running for mayor? For me, you know, it's really simple. I wanted to have an impact on my community. I moved back to Del Rio back in 2016. I bought my house, my retirement home. I'm, I'm ready to, to invest in that community. And I just felt like Del Rio was really lacking in opportunity. It was stagnant. It kind of, it kind of. It just depends on the military base that's near there. Sure, right. right. The economy is very dependent on on Lafayette Air Force Base, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But what if what if worst case scenario it downsizes? Closing. Yeah, or yeah. closes. Worst worst case scenario, you know. And I just felt like there's so many opportunities. A, a bit about about myself is that I'm currently a flight attendant at a major airline, and I've been traveling all over the world for the last twelve years. That's one fact that I think <laughs> is so fascinating. That you're a flight, that's your day job, flight. And so you get to leave Del Rio to all these cross country flights that you say you're based out of Boston. Boston. Yeah. So you get to go to the East Coast one, two, three times a week. And then you come back to be mayor of this small town Mm -hmm. in the border of Texas. Yes. And so the next time you're in an airplane and you see this, you know, flight attendant walking up and down, have a little respect. Because <laughs> they, if, he might be a mayor, <laughs> he might be a member or a future congressman. Let me tell you something: a lot of these flight attendants, you think that's their only life, right? No, they have side businesses, and we your side do. business is running a city. A, town, a city. I am running a city, and and so, and as I've been doing this over the last twelve years, I've collected a lot of data as to how communities are thriving and how are some, you know, they're not. And and I've, I've just always felt like Del Rio is at the crossroads. We are literally in the center of North America when you look at it. And and it's proximity to the border, international trade. There's just so many missed opportunities that have existed. And I felt like putting my name on the ballot is an opportunity that they could take a chance on me. And maybe my ideas and my what I see out there in the, in the world, literally in Amsterdam, Helena, Montana, Shanghai, or, you know, Fresno, California, I can bring these ideas that are successful into our community. And so I did. I ran and I, I, I ran a healthy campaign. I went door to door, traditional. I did traditional things. I I went to city parks and I met with people in public. I was not afraid to go up to strangers. And you, it's like almost like you prepared for this role mm-hmm. because you were going to city council meetings, boring as they can be. <laughs> You did your homework. I did. I was. I had started about a year and a half prior to putting my name on the ballot. And it's important that we start versing ourselves and educating ourselves on the core issues that are that are, that the current council is experiencing. And I did that. And I also held small little town hall meetings at my house, roundtable meetings, whatever you want to call them. And I gathered people from different sectors of the community, different cross sections. I had people from socioeconomically challenged neighborhoods to the more prominent neighborhoods speaking about things that are important to them. And for every five persons that I suggested running for council, they were for every six persons I suggested running for, for councilmen, they were all five of them were saying run for mayor. So, so they wanted you to just go for the big. Ex- yes. They didn't even want you to start no. out the councilman. And, they and already that, liked your ideas. Absolutely. And that's what was really flooring. And, and I was kind of taken aback because I, I did want to take it in steps and, and, and start with councilmen. I mean, that was a good start. I, yeah. 
I didn't know how far this would actually go. And but people saw something that, you know, we don't necessarily always see in ourselves. And I think exactly. they, they saw a leader, they saw potential. And so I, I listened to the the audience, I listened to the constituents and I put my name on a ballot. Did you did you attend public schools there? I did. I went to Del Rio High School and the middle schools there. I went to San Felipe Del Rio Consolidated Independent School District. I they did. did a good job. They sure did. I mean, because you know the issues. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, you did your research, mm-hmm. and you you know you did all those studies about economics for the city. Why are other cities doing better than yours? Mm-hmm. And hats off to your teachers, your thank public you. yes. school teachers. I thank them. Yes, often. Um, what are some of the aside from the economics? What are some of the issues you're dealing with? Well, currently, because of the current administration on the federal level, I'm having to constantly address issues that aren't necessarily under my purview or jurisdiction, which include immigration, just because, you know, if 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 individuals, for example, are released, you know, because of capacity issues at the Border Patrol sector or what have you, it becomes a public safety measure. And I have to ensure that that there's everybody's pub- safe. There's not a public panic. Exactly. Over something and, and, and the reality is, is that. Um, there's a lot of good people in all different levels of, of government that are trying to do their best to to find solutions for the current issues. Unfortunately, a lot of that gets lost in translation. It gets lost in code. It gets lost in, in, in the judicial system or what have you. But it is my duty to ensure that public safety is first and primary. And we don't want to have any disruptions with with the perception of how Del Rio continues moving forward. We, we are a close-knit family community, um, very tight-knit. Everybody knows everybody, and we want to make sure that we feel safe in our parks. And one of the cool things, for example, that's come of, of that um, is the bike patrol system. So we have re, um, reintroduced the bike program. We have young patrolmen, young cadets that are that are maybe like as old as 28, uh-huh. you know, 11 new police officers, male and female, patrolling the streets. And so this is part of the visibility that we are investing in the public sector and ensuring that... Community policing. Exactly. Get to know your policeman and right. policewoman. And it's just the presence mm-hmm. means a, a lot to the, the community members, seeing that they're okay and they're, gonna, they're in a safe neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um how would he had the president wanted to close the bridge right he's been announcing that and then luckily he's backed down because people in congress would basically said don't do it You're, right you'll wreck the economy how would that affect your city and that is definitely an issue that i keep focus on all the time i i monitor the headlines i'm in communication with with administration and staff to ensure that we do have a backup plan if that does happen but I also ensure that the representatives that be know that if the port of entry is closed I'll lose $19,000 a day because that's the directly fees. that's directly affect that's directly tied into our budget yes. and it's important that our elected officials higher up have the data have the everyday data that Closing the port of entry not only devastates the economy, but it devastates local economies that are dependent on, on, on the transactional item of a toll bridge. I mean, that's that's our cash cow. And if it closes, how will I pay the police officers that are that are patrolling the streets exactly. that are keeping the public safe? How am I going to protect and pay the firemen that respond to first response for EMS purposes or what have you, you know? Exactly. And it's important that they have that data. And so I try to... Like I said, it, it, it's it doesn't go easy in the office. I, I monitor it. I, I ensure that 
I have the up-to-date data. I'm always getting refreshed information as far as the daily transactions to make sure that our presentation has that readily available should the administration threaten to close the port of entry again. You are very, like, on top of all these issues. And I think the reason why they elected you is because you, like I said, did your homework. But you're still going to have some haters. I mean, you had haters during your campaign. Mm -hmm. And you have haters now that criticizes the way you look. You grew out your hair. You're very <laughs> flamboyant. You don't hide that. I'm, I mean, the very first article when, they, when I heard about you pulled up the fact that you came out on a Veterans Day parade mm -hmm. wearing high heels, being your true, authentic femme self, you know? Mm -hmm. And they use those images, past images of you at Pride's event. How does that make you feel? And how do you deal with that? When they try to use those images against you? Well, I mean, I think it's kind of comical that they have to resort to the way that I look or my appearance or my, you know, characteristics that are just natural to me. I mean, if that's all that they have, go, okay, okay, girl. <laughs> like, preach it. Like, re yeah. reinforce that I'm I'm me, I'm who I am, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I'm unapologetic. I will continue to wear heels. I will continue to to do the things that I do. I mean, I don't wear heels right now, you know, every day. Because <laughs> they're not in season They're right not now. in season, <laughs> exactly. But I'm not going to stop being who I am. I'm not going to, I am not ashamed of the photos that are out there. I, I, many of the pictures were taken at Pride events. I had good responses from them. I was an inspiration to many individuals that were suffering or dealing with their transition or their identity or being abused at home for whatever reason. And the fact that you have a, a male wearing tutu heels out there in pride events, it's, it's, it's an inspiration to some. And to others, people just that don't understand sexuality, they don't understand identity, they don't understand what gender identity means, it at least begins a conversation. At least it gets it going. And, and you can have people that will say things like just let him be or others say that it's immoral but the reality is is that that's their world that they're living in yes. and i'm just here to make sure that the world they're living in has properly paved streets you know <laughs> you know what i mean like the issues that, that for me the priorities are things that in the municipal level things that we do every day you know parks streets sanitation yeah. water things like that you could have walked down that street during that veteran's day parade in heels because you earned it Mm -hmm. You actually served in our military. You joined the Air Force and went to war. Mm -hmm. How was that experience like? So I, I was a security forces um, officer, patrolman. I was in the Air Force for a couple of years. And security forces translates to I was basically military police. Yes. And that was interesting because stateside we did a couple of witch hunts, which was not easy for me as I was serving under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, yes. which was a challenge in and of itself. But for the most part, nobody asked, and I never told. So yeah. I did. I did abide by the le by the legislation that had passed previously. I also deployed to Kuwait, and I had a couple of incidences where um, there was an airman that got teased through the radios about a Kuwaiti boyfriend that was, you know, really close. You know, the Middle Eastern men see masculinity different than American men do, and yes. a lot of them are a little bit more affectionate than others. And this Kuwaiti guy was the the partner on the ground, the Kuwaiti. Yes counterpart with, with an american counterpart correct yes. they were they were both based together and over the radios the the men of course you were know teasing. they were teasing him and so i was at guard mount and uh turning in my weapon and i had my weapon in hand and i said hey how was your day and my colleague responded flamer to the top of his lungs and i completely froze and 
Next thing you know, I'm in a corner. Some of my friends that were like hiding me, shielding me from the rest of the squadron and the squadron commander got us all together, dismissed me early, talked to the rest of the squadron for, for a bit. And then the next day I was stationed on duty with um, with that airman that, that, that said what he said out loud. And in that during that next day, he apologized. He stated, I'm so sorry for having done what I did. I was being teased and I just I couldn't deal with all the pressure of the day. And my response was, what you felt in one day, I have felt my entire life. I was like, never forget what it's like, what, how you feel like today, the next time that you make fun of somebody who's not like you. You had to go through that in middle school, high school. Mm-hmm. Being flamboyant, being know. teased, being smaller, being not into sports. I mean, we get bullied and made fun of for any little thing. And then that yeah. was then. That was before social media. These and are kids I, now. I know. And I loved how, because you told this story earlier today. And I loved how you say it. I'm like, we're out here fighting war, and this is what yeah, triggers you? That's exactly <laughs> what his trigger was. He was triggered by being called, you know, being made fun of because of a Kuwaiti guy. A Kuwaiti national was being a little bit more touchy-feely than yeah. most men are used to, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you're literally in a war zone, in yes. a support mission right now, and this is triggering you. Like, this mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. Like, I just, I... <laughs> Toxic masculinity... Yeah, it's 101. 101. Right there. Um, I'm very happy that you're authentic. What advice do you give to other people who are authentic, who are trying to seek office? Because the rules have all been broken. They have all changed, have all broken. 2018's election showed that anybody, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, can win it. And then, like you had said earlier, 2016's election where a man who has so much baggage was elected president. Mm -hmm. What do you tell to that person? What do you say to that candidate that's thinking about running that has that that doesn't fit the norm? So I would tell that candidate, you know, own your business, you know, own who you are. I have, I grew up in social media. I grew yes. up in the app age. So there's yeah. plenty of apps out there where I, you know, had profiles on and I'm not ashamed of who I am. You know, I don't look at sexuality as a bad thing. I don't look at it as a way to, 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 to diminish somebody's being. Like we're all experiencing life together. And for me, body parts are organs. It's like, it, it's hard for me to, to really get back to this mindset where like, Oh, I've exposed some skin of mine and or female, male or female. It's it's about owning your body. This is my body, these are my organs, and this is what I've been provided to live in this existence, right? That's one aspect of it as just a perspective of where I'm coming from with the images that are out there, like my tutu pictures. Like yeah. they're very revealing. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is that the current president, Tr- President Trump change the playing field i mean he had so many controversies and so many people saw beyond that for whatever reason they 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 voted him in for office which they support the man and and you have to give his supporters some kind of credit because you know what they did they got out and voted they got out there because they understood they they felt um they felt like they didn't have a voice and this man reached out to them and gave them a voice he was able to connect with a segment of the population that felt disconnected that felt disconnected and that's exactly what I did and what you did you were being yourself and when though you went to go knock on those doors conservatives and they, conservatives and yeah. they asked you about those pictures you says hey do you want your street paved or do you want more of the same right you know I, I said which which issue is more important my sexuality and how I and how I live my life or the fact that these streets haven't been paved in 10 years 
because we can talk about my sexuality. I know my sexuality very well, and I am not ashamed <laughs> of it. But I also need to figure out what kind of solutions you would like to see happen, or what you'd like to see like to see me implement through my administration. Should I be elected for the fixing of these streets? It's almost like this was an easier battle to win with the voters than it was when you were trying to run and ask for assistance from the party. From yeah, so that's what's really gets really gets interesting. Well, before I was even putting my name on the ballot officially, I reached out to a couple of Democratic leaders in the San Antonio area seeking guidance. Seeking guidance. And I didn't understand how do you put your name on the ballot? What do you do? What are the rules? What's what's what are the laws for funding and things like that? Because I wanted to make sure that I did everything as pro- proper. Because you're an organized gay. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> my shoes are color coordinated, okay? Thank you. So, and the first response I got from this LGBT leader was you need to buckle your straps and put on your boots and wear your jeans and take off, you know, your 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 pictures. You need to delete your profiles. And I laughed. Like, <laughs> girl, I can't delete my profile. There are so many pictures of me floating around with heels and speedos and tutus. <laughs> I don't even know who's like I don't even I couldn't even if I tried. I made the Seattle Gay Times, for God's sake. Like it is a period it's in a periodical record. Like yeah. it's in a newspaper. It's archived. I can't delete it, girl. <laughs> and so but what's really shocking is that he was a gay guy telling another gay guy how to live his life. Yeah. And that's what's really disappointing because we LGBT believe in some party believe in people that are in their positions of power and we want to believe their message but that message oftentimes get lost i think of my trans friends i think of the Mm. trans friend of mine who was arrested and beaten and she had no voice because she is biologically a man according to the people that arrested her and she got put into a jail cell it was horrific horrific conditions for this individual Mm. and i think to myself we believe in people that are elected to change things like that experience that she had, and it never gets done. It's like they say, oh, I'm going to look into it. Yeah. I'm going to do it for you because you're going to vote for me, and I promise I'll get back to you. And then they don't. That's how I felt. I felt like, you know what? I'm not going to change who I am. Then I sought out some help, some, some more guidance through another individual, and that individual's response, it was a local Del Rio, and that individual's response was, homegrown guys don't win home elections. So even people from my own hometown were already like, you're born and raised here, you're different, you're not going to win. And I thought to myself, this is, this, is, this is the most absurd guidance ever. Like, if, how can anybody, like, how can you live with yourself getting somebody who's trying to change, trying to make a difference and impact, exactly. and that's what you're going to tell them? So you know what I did with that information? I waddled it up into a paper ball and I threw it. I was like, forget this. I'm going to have to do it on my own, research Find other people that are different making changes and see how they're applying their knowledge. And, you know, and that's what I did. And I went to grassroots. I went to the basics. I went to simplicity. I simplified everything that I possibly could. And I spoke from the heart. What did you do election night? Oh, that was the most nerve-wracking night of my life. (laughs) I was, uh, so that morning, because I had been up since four, I went to all three precinct locations for voting. I went to, I went hourly, after hour, after hour. I saw my, I saw my, you know. Your opponent? The opponent just chilling. Who who didn't even think you were a threat. Didn't even think I was a threat and just chilling in the shade and, and as the afternoon started progressing and people kept coming to my tents and congratulating me, I I was told that he was making conversation with people like, you don't think he's going to win, do you? Like, oh, I got this. Like, just comments that were still so, like... Belittling? And confident in himself. Like, he was so confident, overly confident. Because he was basically 
being running a homophobic campaign yeah. using images in of a you. sense yeah and his yeah. followers some of them that i still face to this day and yeah. they act like my best friends you know and it's the funniest <laughs> thing because i'm like i know where you sat i know where you were yeah but so then that afternoon at about when 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 um the the early voting was called yes oh man it was done there's no way that he could have recovered from that and and i was already ecstatic and then at about 11 o'clock is when i got the final results and i just remember somebody said you just did a you just did a hand a hand flip or something and i was like what i had so much adrenaline that i didn't even recall those like those first five minutes i was so ecstatic so happy so euphoric i i all the work that my campaign team did and that what we did together the community got behind me i mean we pulled something that that was david and goliath i mean it it was just something that was completely unexpected in 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 any campaign really and this is the cool message that i want to send to people is that if you believe in something if you want to change something get involved and do it make that change like i am from the streets of Del Rio. Like, I, I don't have, like, this, like, political background of, like... You went to public school. I went to public school. I don't even have a full degree yet. Like, yeah. I'm a veteran. Like, it, it's... it's I have a job still. Like, yeah. you know, it's... I'm regular, as, like, you could yeah. say. You know, I'm, I'm... I'm... I'm down to earth. I don't know how else to explain it. You won because you were being authentic and you were concentrating on bread and butter issues. Mm-hmm. You didn't say you're going to make this the gayest place ever. Right. Luckily, when candidates get elected from the LGBT um, community, they get elected trying to not be the gay candidate, you know? But you haven't forgotten about your community. No, and you actually not. started an actual safe place for youth. Sure. So we so we're taking a chapter from Eagle Pass Safe and creating Del Rio Safe. And what this really entails is it's an LGBT support group, but it's not just LGBT. That's what I that's what I want to make sure that the community of Del Rio and all of the United States really understands is that we need to be advocates for inclusion within our own community and within the community that we reside in. See, Del Rio doesn't have a neighborhood. My neighbors are some of them work on base. Some of them are lawyers. Some of them are, are religious. You know, you don't have a P flag chapter. I don't have any of that stuff. No, I don't have any of this. My comfort zone is my neighborhood, and my yeah. neighborhood is just as diverse as any in America, right? And one of the messages at, at the Del Rio Safe meeting that we had is to ensure that we're visible and we're also inclusive. Like, if people have questions about us, we shouldn't fear the questions. We should. We should have an answer for them and try to get them to try to get people that don't understand what our community is about a little view, a little lens into it, a little microscope, and, and look look within you know the community. And that's important because we need to visit elderly groups, we need to visit um, schools, we need to visit these these programs that many elected officials oftentimes forget about, yes. and they're only holiday politicians they only yeah. go there during election cycles and yes. that's not the kind of candidate that i want to be that's not the kind of mayor that i want to be i was just in an elderly home the other day a couple months ago and i thought to myself this is a great place for del real estate to come and just bond with some with some with some elder folk you know and just bring some music get to know their stories exchange world war ii sto- i mean there's so much knowledge that's there that's untapped information People you know just once again having conversations and connecting yeah We've been splitting up. We've been split for so long. It's time to come together. I want to thank you for creating that space. And you're actually 
kicking off the first Pride. Yes. Tell so, us about that. So, of course, in deep, South, deep, deep South, South Texas. Texas. So you asked us about our sister city, which is Ciudad de Cunha. We also have an American sister city, which is also our rival sister city, Eagle Pass, Texas. Uh-huh. And they've had Pride for three years there. So, so Deep South Texas is moving forward with yeah. a lot of things. And, uh, of course, Del Rio ends, we got a little jealous that they were first. But yes. we are having our first gay Pride this year, June 8th. And um, we're setting up shop. We have um, Facebook pages at Del Rio Safe, which is also our Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat accounts. Feel free to follow us. And we will also be accepting any donations, sponsorships, yes. any people, any any groups, organizations, companies that want to come down and have a presence known in Del Rio, Texas. Um, we invite everybody to come down for the Del Rio Safe Pride of 2018. It will be June 8th at our wonderful amphitheater which is right along the creek which is the gem of del rio texas oh right yes it is it is a beautiful destination and um i look forward to it we've got a lot of support we have entertainers lined up it's going to be a really really good showing of the community uh where we where, where we're at historically and i think it says i think honestly this sends a message to communities like dallas houston new york seattle that small towns are the next thing you know you can be yourself in small town america in main street america now you don't have to go to megalopolises megalopolises and feel comfort with strangers you can be comfortable with your neighbors and your friends and family you grew up with in small town thank you for inspiring so many and for doing what you do absolutely thank you so much for having me thank you